All right, welcome back. Masters, day one. Uh, we did a little bit of a uh, surprise for the people. Yeah, now we still want you to listen to the episode and listen to the interview, but you also got to view it yesterday as opposed to just listening to it on the podcast. So listen to Damon's interview again, but we hope you enjoyed it a day early. And we're going to be more active on YouTube. Like, I mean, when we get guests and if they're okay with us putting the interview on YouTube, we, we feel like it's beneficial. And hey, you know what? And maybe going forward, talking it out live on air here, maybe that, uh, that wouldn't be bad. Surprising people early with the interview portion on YouTube, but still listen to the episode because, hey, if you listen to the interview, you get content early. Yeah, of course. Well, look, here's the thing. So in, in this instance of, of this release early, Damon was fantastic. So if you haven't listened to it and you're listening to it now for the first time, it was a great interview. But even if you listen to it early, you can't miss our segments. You can't miss the hot takes. You can't miss the do we understand because do we understand? I, I, I like to look at the weird news now because it just, it, it pumps me up. Like, yeah, you never know what I think that's become everyone's favorite segment is the do we understands. I mean, I, I love it. The the two that I have for this this episode, I, I wouldn't say they're my favorites, but boy, I I don't understand either of them. Better or worse than the toilet. Oh, not as good as the toilet. Now I now I will now I don't want to start the episode with do we understand, but no. I was informed today by an esteemed colleague of mine that in the world apparently now I've not confirmed this online um, because the internet's always right. On top of our toilet shortage, the world is also experiencing a ketchup shortage. Well, well, don't give don't give the story away. Let's let's do that on. Oh, that's not back. even my story. That's not even my story. So, I mean, how many more shortages can we go with? It's a great question. It's a great question. But let's dive into hot take six and let's get the ball rolling. All right. So my first one here, I have, I actually have a couple baseball ones and I have an NFL one. Um, I'm going to start with one of my baseball ones here. Um, for those who have been watching the early season, I know we're, what, six, seven games into the season. This is traditional overreaction season whenever it comes to baseball. But uh, if you've been watching and paying attention, the Cincinnati Reds are pennant good. They are pennant good so far through this early point of the season. Now, I realize that, you know, your numbers can look inflated when you play the Pirates for three games and you sweep them, score 10 runs in the series in each game. I get it, but they have the swagger of a team that looks like they could make a pennant run. Now I realize on here, I've said before that the Mets would win the world series, uh, obviously still not completely out of the question, but as we start to see games and watch things happen, the Reds can hit the long ball. Uh, Nick Castellanos is, is one that we've been watching. And, and I think he has four home runs now, uh, unless he's hit another one today, one of his teammates, um, I thought I had the name here. I guess not. One of his teammates also has three or four home runs. So they are really using the long ball uh, to dominate teams this year. And look, 
if they can cap the pitching with it, um, they've already won series against the Pirates, which again, not not really a superstar thing, but also against the Cardinals, who are second place in the NL Central so far. They might be on a good spot here. Again, I realize it helps when you play lesser competition. It's still early in the season, but I just like the way Cincinnati looks. I like the swagger that they're bringing to it. I understand there's controversy with the whole um, – you know, the flex that Castellanos gave and got suspended for two games. And they said, we're a cocky team. I get it. But I also think some of that's needed, especially in baseball where the seasons can be long. This might be a team to watch going into the, going into the latter part of the year. You do understand it's a weekend. Oh yeah. This is, this is perfect overreaction season. This reminds me of when I would turn on sports center and the Kansas city Royals would be three and oh, and they would bring on Tim Kirchner or Jeff Passan and be like, are the Kansas City Royals World Series contenders? Yes. This this also, you know, I equate it to the same. Now, I, again, I understand this is the regular season, but you equate this, you know, on Center, like whenever you watch um, or really anywhere, you see um, like a preseason game in the NFL and the, the starters play for like one drive. And they say, oh, is, is Odell Beckham won his – and I'm just using his and him and his example. They do it for everybody. But uh, is Odell Beckham won his way to a 1,700-yard season? He played one drive. And not one pass. Like, where where are you understanding that? Where are you getting that from? Um, and, and, again, I realize we're a week in here for baseball. We don't have a lot to go on. But – I'm just looking at, at, at the swagger of this team and just the way that they play and the way that they carry themselves. I mean, I think in a sport like baseball, who, you know, a lot of people may say, you know, it drags on. And, and we've even talked about the dog days of summer on this show. And I understand that sometimes a little flair is needed to be remembered whenever it comes during that time. So if they can keep their play at the same level as their flair and that kind of cockiness that they, that they adapt as their um, identity, I think you might be paying attention to Cincinnati in July because there might be some good brawls or something on the way because uh, they're um, they're feisty. That was a weird story, right? There's a two-game suspension most likely coming down for the brawl that happened the other night. Mm-hmm. Not because of the brawl, because of COVID protocols, which is a wild thing to see. Now, dog days of summer, you talk about that. Yeah, if we get to the dog days of summer and Cincinnati is still winning, okay, fine. But the dog days of summer, I don't care how much you like baseball, the dog days of summer are the most painful time of year as a sports fan. It's just, there's nothing. But luckily, because of delays and seasons starting later, playoffs are going to be pushed, and we could possibly get an NBA Finals if it goes to a Game 7 three days before the Olympics starts, which would be incredible. So we could only have a three-day gap. But we'll see. I think Cincinnati, I saw a player, I forget his name, he was he uh, dropped the F-bomb on MLB Network the other night when I was watching uh, MLB Tonight. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to watch, I think, during baseball because it's not one game. It's, it's the NFL red zone for baseball. Right, bouncing from game to game, which makes it fine. I do find something weird. I don't know how long they've been doing this. Did you know they do a YouTube game of the week for MLB? 
on YouTube exclusively. I, I, I click on YouTube yesterday, and the Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays are playing on YouTube. You can't find it anywhere else. And there's a game every week on YouTube. And the commentators are John Smoltz, and I forget the other guy. But that was very odd. That was very odd. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that YouTube had rights to baseball games or for that matter, exclusive rights to certain baseball games. But hey, get your sport out in any way that you can. But um, one other quick note about the dog days of summer. Uh, those are already quickly approaching in the middle of spring for me as a Pirates fan, as they sit at one and six with a negative 27 run differential. So it's already been a long season and we're a weekend. <sighs> That's rough. Can't be more rough than the Knicks losing last night to two points by Boston. We're still the best team in New York. We're at a seven seed. That was your next minute. Well, you were within two runs. We traditionally are not within seven. So <laughs> I what was the game? Was it Sun? No, it was yesterday. That Red Sox Tampa Bay game. Watch it on YouTube. I'm like, why am I watching a game that's nine one right now in the bottom of the eighth inning? in April and there's like no fans in the stands because of COVID and everyone's dressed up in like multiple layers and face masks, which was very visually weird to see. Right. It's also mind boggling, mind boggling, crazy. Did you see a picture of the Texas Rangers the other day? Yeah. That was unbelievable. That was the craziest thing I've seen in a year in sports. And I've seen some crazy stuff. People just 100% capacity, 30,000 people, just shoulder to shoulder, masks. Well, I think, what, I think what's interesting about that is, is it just shows that people want to be back out and doing it. Because the Rangers right now, just looking at the, at the standings, I mean, they're three and three. So they're average. I mean, again, we're a weekend. We're not. I'm, I'm judging the Reds on a weekend, but everybody else is, everybody else is left out to dry. But like the Rangers aren't like the world's most popular team, right? Nobody's being like claiming and a diehard Rangers fan. That's a superstar celebrity or whatever. But I think if you, if, if you just made the announcement, I'm, I'm in no way insinuating this. If you made the announcement that every stadium went back to full capacity, you could probably fill them all because people would want to be there because they miss it. Not Miami. Oh, not my – well, I mean, I, honestly, probably not Pittsburgh either. They showed it with, with the limited fans today, and I was like, hmm, it's not too awful different. You know, I would expect more than what I saw, but it, it was a it was a socially distant turned out, which is pretty, pretty spot on. Do you think you could name a Texas Ranger? I don't. Um, the only one that I knew just got traded to the Yankees because he was the one that punched – Jose Bautista in the face. Okay, fair enough. I'll count that. Sticking with baseball, kind of a major development. So they take the all-star game away from Georgia. If you know what's going on there, we're not going to get into that. But it's pretty obvious and good for baseball. So they're scrambling, understandably so. All-star game didn't happen last year. So it's only right to bring it back. Now, are they going to do home run derby? I hope so. I don't think they will, but they found a venue and that's going to be at Rockies Park in Denver. The hot take for that is I feel like that's a great thing for baseball. They 
Rob Manford seems to take losses every single day as the commissioner of baseball in the last year and a half since the Astros scandal. But that felt like a win for him, realizing that he needed to get away from Georgia, what's going on there, and transitioning into a venue two days. It took them two days to find a new ballpark, which is pretty fabulous. I, I do wonder what the process was like about that. Are Is it was it state regulations that made them go to Colorado? Was it, did they feel that this state had better code, you know, all those kind of COVID things that they're going to have to worry about. But I felt like that was a great win for baseball and more importantly, Rob Manford, because let's be honest, I know we'll never get Rob Manford on. <laughs> so I'll say this, Rob Manford, I've never had a opinion turn faster on my own self than I have on that guy. When he was hired, I was like, cool, we're getting away from Bud Selig. We're going to have this great commissioner. He's going to do great things. And he did great things in his first two years. But ever since the Astros and the Miami Marlins ballpark, it has not gone downhill faster, I think, for a commissioner in sports history that I'm aware of more than more than him. Well, and, and another thing, I just to add on to the Rob Manford thing for a second, I think one thing that, I've even thought about when it comes to commissioners is living in the social media age, it's much easier to criticize somebody because we have the platform to do it and we can come out. And uh, we said the same thing about Roger Goodell and, and his handling of certain situations. Um, I think of the one and, you know, I won't go too deep into it. Everyone has their um, opinion on it and probably share it with mine is like the Ray Rice suspension coming out and being like, Oh, two games. We didn't have the video. Yeah, yeah, you did. And, you know, we, we all know what happened with that and how that turned out terribly. But, you know, I think we, we have that we have that avenue where we can criticize more. But, you know, Rob Manfred, especially the Astros, thing, the Astros one is, is really irritating because it kind of takes away from the actual. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, the love of the game, the actual the the integrity of the game. That's that's the word I'm looking for. But hey, I think moving it to I think moving it to the Rocky Stadium, Coors Field, is is a good move. Um, what I like about that is the potential of the home run derby, because we know how far s- stuff flies in Denver. That's where the longest field goal in NFL history is, and people always talk about with you know the mile high, the elevation. It's easier, and we may see that record-breaking field goal in Denver, which we did. Imagine how fun it would be to watch baseballs just get annihilated by Vlad Jr. and and Aaron Judge in Rocky Stadium, who don't play there as often, but play in in Hitters Park. So that would definitely be fun to see. Uh, You know, the the other nice thing is, is I suppose there is limited options when it comes to the COVID protocols, because some states are still more strict on the regulations. So I would imagine that eliminates some. Obviously, you want to maximize fans, but still stay safe. I think the Rockies is a good choice. It's a nice ballpark, but I'm I'm actually I'm actually most excited for the prospect of a potential home run derby there because that would be something to see. I feel like the next step for baseball, if they want to have almost a resurgence as the second most 
popular sport in the country, maybe even the third, because I feel like at this point it would be kind of hard to top NBA and NFL, not to get too deep into that, but they need to do expansion because with Gary Bettman, as many people that don't like him fan wise, player wise, what he's doing with expansion is really helping them, especially with Vegas being key in that demo and also going to Seattle here soon. So I feel like the next step for baseball is to do expansion. If they want to have Rob Manford get back in the good graces of people, I know that he probably doesn't care, you know, at all about that, but Nashville would be a good city. Vegas, Montreal it would be the obvious one. Bring baseball back to Montreal. So I, I was curious outside of the um, outside of the expansion realm, if I knew anybody on the Rangers roster based on our last segment. So I pulled up the Rangers roster and I I didn't know he played for the Rangers, but I know one player. So no, I did not know any. His name's well, I guess I know Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles and Ian Kennedy. Josh Hamilton didn't play there anymore. And Cole no. Hamill doesn't pitch there anymore. So I don't I don't think I know a Ranger. I guess I gotta know Joey Gallo too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just West Coast in general when it comes to to baseball. I don't know a lot of those guys, but hey, you know, I would be interested in an MLB expansion. And and actually this leads into my I'm going to go ahead and make this my second one because you actually kind of set me up good with something that baseball could do uh, as far as its its relevancy in the world. Um, we are deprived as a nation of how good of a player Mike Trout is on the West Coast. And, and really my hot take here is it's kind of twofold, right? Number one, you, you alluded to it. The MLB needs to do better in marketing its stars. One of, the, one of the reasons that baseball is far behind is because of their social media restrictions, uh, ability to share highlights that you only get them from one source, uh, or the teams, or, or there's a, like a meme account that is actually officially associated with baseball, which is kind of odd, but uh, I, I enjoy following it. But point is, is that they have such restrictions and it's so tough to do it. And somebody like Mike Trout is, he is a once in a generation type player, but we're deprived of seeing him because he's not marketed as well because he's not in one of the big cities. So the other side to this is, is I see no reason why he shouldn't just come out and be like, look, I need to get out of here because the angels have never been in the playoffs when he's been there. And he's still constantly suffering on this team that is, is, basically not allowed i mean the team themselves are allowed to promote him and do the highlights and such but if you put this guy let, let's just for example i don't want this to happen but for example put mike trout in a new york yankees uniform it's the biggest thing in, it's the biggest thing in the world people are paying attention to it on every screen it helps baseball it helps get the name out uh, i'm not advocating for mike trout to the yankees i don't want that to happen but the point is, is we are missing out on one of baseball's generational type talents for how good he is because he's stuck on a rather pitiful team on the West Coast. And baseball, I, I understand they have to let it happen because of the contracts and the payment. Trout signs the contract, but it is a shame 
that this guy is just almost left to rot on the West Coast with the Angels because they, they can't win anything. I feel like most people, unless you're working at MLB Network on the East Coast, are asleep when he plays. Right. Because pitches at 10-15, 10-30, 10-45. Of course, those games are set up for West Coast time, not East Coast, so we get that. But it's a shame. He's a two-time All-Star Game MVP, the youngest ever, I believe. He's also won an MVP award. But typically by September, he the third weekend, he's in a press box at an Eagles game. <laughs> in a in a you know jersey and a hat and a, and, a, and a hoodie because his team can't make the playoffs. I think he'll never get traded. He just seems like a lifer guy at a team because you don't sign a contract for four hundred million dollars and get traded or at least demand a trade. If anything, what they'll do down the road, let's say five six years from now, they might dump the contract and trade him or at least take the, the penalty and the cap hit. Cause even though baseball doesn't, well, baseball doesn't have a cap. So let me take that back. So if anything, they, they might just dump the contract five or six years from now and let him sign with another team. That seems the only logical scenario, but if anything, he could end up being a lifer guy. But then again, I said that about JJ Watt when we weren't doing this show, a couple of years ago and that came the blue in my face. <laughs> I, I would have never expected to, I just pictured JJ Watt almost doing the exact same thing, basically rotting on the Texans to never win a playoff game. Like that video of him walking off the field, apologizing to Deshaun Watson at the end of the season. This, this is not a Deshaun Watson discussion because that's, that's a whole other era and realm that we're not going to get into in this. But listening to J.J. Watt say that is, like, disheartening because give me a player, you know, there, there are a few, but give me another player that, you know, has that much heart and soul and just they can't get it done in the city because everything's bad around them. I think of somebody like Larry Fitzgerald. I think of somebody like Mike Trout. Just these players that are legendary type players who are almost stuck in terrible situations and in some senses choose to do it because they think that things can get better around them, but they, they just never do. That's a great question. I feel like I'd have to think a little bit harder about that, about players no matter what sport it is that are in a situation that you just root for them, but they don't win. And I don't know of a guy that hits me like that straight in the face that I think about maybe Matt Ryan or anybody on the Braves. Cause it just, it hits you like a ton of bricks because Atlanta seems to be the new town that's cursed in sports, but that's probably the only thing that comes to mind right away. Maybe Maybe any any team in Minnesota. <laughs> try try having just for one example, one that came to mind as you were saying that. Maybe two of the best players in an individual position in NFL history in Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson for the Detroit Lions. And both of them retiring in their prime because they're like, I can't take it anymore. That's a 
Yeah, that's a Lions thing, but Detroit's not like a losing city because the Red Wings won in 08, Pistons won in 04. So there is still some kind of recency, I guess, of them winning championships, but we'll see. Switching gears a little bit, want to talk about this hot take. Kind of cool, I guess. Hot take is Avengers are still the most dominant team in the world. Avengers Campus gets announced today by Disney on all PR channels. The Avengers Campus is done and finished. And just when everyone's excited to fly to California and visit this great project that they have done, went, went, went. It's only open to California residents. So, mm-hmm. hot take is when those things lift, it'll be great. I can finally go to Star Wars World and Avengers World. But uh, the only way I can do that right now is if I'm an illegal California resident and I'm not willing to risk any of that to just go see some comic book characters and more Star Wars. What's stopping you from moving to California? <laughs> sounds like sounds like something I'd get my driver's license changed for. What's the difference? I think what's great, though, is some of the stuff that they have coming to the Avengers campus. And if you bear with me for a moment while you get your point on, I would just like to look up everything that is going to be in here. Okay, here we go. Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Basically, you create your own Spider-Man products, whatever. Mm -hmm. Ant-Man Kitchen. That's the best way to phrase that. So it's a um, foodery of sorts. Doctor Strange type of park. Uh, Avengers Headquarters, obviously. And uh, you got Guardians of the Galaxy Tower Ride. So that is what took Disney the last two and a half to three years to work on. And I feel like I don't know a whole lot about the park industry, obviously. But I feel like Disney World compared to Universal is probably the more more rounded. Like people love to go to that park more than like a Six Flags or a Bush Gardens, those types of things. I don't even know if Bush Garden Bush Gardens might be a local thing to us, but you know, you look at Universal. I don't think I've ever been to Universal. These these things, whenever everything's opened up, they're going to be massive. I mean, let let's just say what it is. I mean, California residents, I suppose, are lucky in this moment to be the uh, the only ones that are allowed to go. But I mean, Avengers is still. You're right. They're still the biggest team in the world, the most fans world. You know, worldwide. It's going to take off. I mean, I understand that we're still in the the days of COVID, where they're not going to let people into this and, and it's only open for certain people but you know I'm, I'm again I'm not a huge fan everybody that has listened to this knows this but you you have to be excited right I mean this is this is like the mecca this is putting it all in in one place where you can go and and see so I mean you're gonna have to start planning your trips for Avengers and Star Wars World get your Star Wars um, the hotel the space hotel you've got so much to do Dude, I am literally planning this out in my head as you're talking because that's what I want to do. I want to go to Avengers World. I want to go to Star Wars World. I mentioned to someone the other day, 
about Star Wars World. And they were like, well, you can't go by yourself. That's dangerous, is what they said. And I'm like, that's not dangerous. How is that dangerous? And they're like, you're going to be by yourself in a park with a bunch of people when you, you don't know them and you're going to be on a plane. And I'm like, that is not, I don't, I don't, I don't, under, I don't understand your point, but I appreciate it. I do think, I, I do have a question for you though, because we've talked about comic books because so much on the show, because it's obviously probably the most popular thing in the world, let's be honest, is comic books and entertainment mm -hmm. and then being translated into the properties that they are. I do have a question because I was watching a documentary the other day and one of the people said he doesn't know what the biggest property in the world is right now between Marvel, Star Wars, and Harry Potter. And that's my question for you. What do you think is the biggest property? I feel like it's Marvel. As much as I love Star Wars and I'm getting, you know, a whole arm done for Star Wars, I feel like Marvel is the biggest property in the world because the movies are hit after hit after hit. And there's just this massive cohesion. There's just, it, it works fluidly from one story to the next. You just snap your fingers and boom, you're in and you get it. You, you don't have to watch like you do sometimes with Star Wars, the movie before to get the movie that's coming up. Like, it's just, I feel like Marvel's probably the biggest property in the world. That, that goes for anything. Like, I think Marvel might be just as big. You know what? I'll say it. Hot take. Marvel might be as big as the NFL. Mm. 1A and 1B. I, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I, as you were as you were making your point, I was listening to your argument, also kind of formulating in my head because I think it would be between Star Wars and Marvel. I think those would be the two that, that people would probably say like, yeah, these are the two biggest ones. I, I'm going to agree with you and say Marvel. And the reason, the reason why is you mentioned the cohesion of how everything works and how it's kind of one big star. I know they kind of sought out to do that with Star Wars and with the, you know, the reboots, backstories for whatever, all of that. Star Wars doesn't, they take longer. Basically what I'm getting at here, let me try this again. The Marvel universe is more vast, it seems, in that they, even though they, I'm no, just I, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think they're, they they're, basically can just turn out a movie of a different superhero every year and people are going to be like, okay, 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 okay. Where Star Wars, you're, the, the scope of the universe might be bigger in terms of like how many people are in it, but Marvel has the ability to just take each individual character and say, movie, 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 where you can't do that with the vastness of the Star Wars universe. You're, you're more limited on character. Does that, does that make any sense at all? Or am I still walking in a circle here? No, that makes sense. I, I think what I'll say to finish this out is there's a couple moments every year that you look back at the end of the year before new year and you say, okay, that was the, that was the pop culture moment. These were the pop culture moments of year, whatever. And you, you can literally pick out any year and you would be like, oh, this came out this year. This was a fashion trend this year. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I feel like this year, it's going to be Marvel. Like, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, man, WandaVision crashed Disney Plus. Wanda, you know, Marvel had two other shows come out that 
were critically acclaimed and they had movies come out. So I feel like this is the year that people are going to look back 10, 15, 20 years from now and be like, that was, that pop culture was Marvel. Oh yeah. Like, like last year it was the, the, the guy on the, on the skateboard drinking the cranberry juice, the Fleetwood Mac. Oh. That was the pop culture moment of last year. Dog face. My God. Yeah. That, I, I will go back and watch that occasionally because I, I just like that video. But, you know, I feel like you can almost make this argument just for different eras too, right? Because I feel like if you would have asked me this in the 2000s, I, I might have said something like Harry Potter or, or Star Wars because Marvel didn't have quite the... Marvel didn't exist until 2008 on, on the big screen. Right. So, I mean, you're they're, they're much more limited in their properties in that sense. So, you know, I would have probably said Harry Potter where I'm like, I didn't even realize there was this many books. <laughs> like, how do you have eight movies? Like, I didn't realize, I thought there was like two books, but it, it definitely changes. But Marvel has definitely increased its visibility with that. And you know what? I Chalk one, another one up for Disney Plus, because the two that I would say are just Disney in general. The two biggest properties I would say that people care about and the most marketable, the easiest ones to do are Marvel and Star Wars. And when you have both of them, good luck, everybody else. Pretty much. All right. So my last one here is, this is actually based on something that I got on my phone earlier. I got a notification from a website. I'm not going to say what website. I got a notification from a website that they were doing a redraft of the 2020 NFL draft. Maybe this is a hot take. Maybe everybody agrees with me. I don't care, but I just have to say it. Redrafting a draft one or two years after it happens is the most horrendous opportunity to capitalize on the words NFL draft whenever it comes to anything you can write about at the time. You're seriously going to sit back and tell me that you're redrafting a draft one year after it happened. Now, I understand that there are names like Isaiah Wilson, who has been a complete spiral out of control. And yeah, you probably wouldn't draft him again. But you're also going to look at me and say, too, that you're, you're just looking at the guys from one season and saying, oh, yeah, well, I would definitely draft him over him. No, absolutely asinine. It is absolutely absurd that editors allow this to just be continually done year after year after year that we're going to redraft a draft. If you're going to redraft a draft, redraft the 2010 draft. Ten years. You have plenty of time to understand how these guys have turned out. I'll even give you five years. But if you're telling me that you can seriously make a, an assumption on a guy after one year and completely do that, you have no idea what you're talking about. Redrafts of one to two years are absolutely stupid. Stop writing those articles. Those are the people that are lazy writers. Somehow they made it to the pinnacle of the NFL writing world and they're lazy. I, I respect writers and people of insiders in NFL, like Rappaport, Schefter, Florio, Chris Sims, guys who aren't lazy and do crap like that. That to me is almost boring. Like Warren, like Warren Sharp is one of the most brilliant people in NFL media. I would never in my wildest dreams 
think Warren Sharp would ever write something like that because maybe if anything, you're writing a piece about the talent, how they looked in their rookie year. That I find acceptable. But to reevaluate a whole draft and do pick by pick by pick, that's just completely lazy, utterly boring. And that's what makes some writers successful and some fail. And I know that sounds crass to say, but I mean, it really is. That, that is as lazy as you can get for content. That's like giving the storyline of who's going to win tonight's matchup and here are your reasons why. That, like that kind of stuff. Right. It just, it, it makes no sense to me how you can, because I mean, here's the thing. You can look back on it from last year's perspective. Uh, you know, just I'm going to do the thing that I say that I don't like and I don't care. But, you know, think of it from the sense of you drafted Joe Burrow number one last year. So then you're like, oh, I'm going to write an article and redo this and say they should have taken Justin Herbert because he had a better rookie year. What if Joe Burrow turns around the rest of his career and is one of the best five quarterbacks in NFL history? Nobody cares about your 2020 redraft one year after. That that's why you need time to do it. It's it's you're right. It's it's extremely lazy journalism to basically just pull out names to see who's performed well. Of course, teams are looking at it saying like, well, yeah, we wish we had that season, but you know, we still believe in our guy. What what difference does it make? Why would you even pursue that? I mean, who is who is reading that that cares about that? Saying, oh yeah, I wish we would have drafted that. Your guy might turn out to be the best player in NFL history. Just stop. Yeah. I will say, lastly, it's not only lazy, but how many views is something like that getting hit on a page? Because a year after, who cares? People reevaluate drafts two, three years. That's why rookie contracts are, are typically four years. Right. Unless you're like colossally terrible, then they cut you. Sure. The cap hit. So you know what? Five years. Great time. Because you're right. That's that's a rookie contract. It plays out. And you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to say it too, because you can even go back in one of these potential mock drafts or whatever and say, Oh yeah, well they you know they need a receiver now, so they should have taken this guy last year. No, 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 no. You gotta put yourself in the context of what was going on that season. It's easy to say you should have picked the best player available, but you know you almost have to retroactively put yourself in the shoes of that team from that year too to make a successful redraft because it's you can't just say oh well you know they they should have taken this this quarterback because he would have been franchise maybe they didn't think they needed a quarterback. It, it's easy to say that a year later, but it's it's almost an entire process. It's a lazy piece of journalism that is just picking the best players from the last season and saying they should have done this, when in reality, it's not as thought out as, as they want it to be. Going into my last story here, it's kind of appropriately timed leading into the interview. Day one of Masters recap. So heading into the weekend, you got Justin Rose leading into day two today. You have Brian Harmon. A very interesting tide at number two guy uh, today. It's kind of fascinating, minus three. And here's a guy that I think is going to have a big day on moving day, day three. 
Hideki Matsuyama, he played very well on the front nine. He played very well on his short game on the back nine. Um, his scorecard looked look like this. On his front nine, he only had one bogey. And after, um, and after that, one bogey on 17. So he's looking like he could have a very nice weekend. And then everyone looked at Jordan Spieth as the guy that was going to win. He's at minus one, Shane Lowry minus one. I think Shane Lowry has a good chance to win this weekend the way he's played early on on day one. And Webb Simpson minus two. Webb Simpson, very underrated. If anyone, I think, out of my world could win and make a big move on moving day, it's probably Webb Simpson because he he strikes me as a guy that could have a very good day. So Masters day one recap heading into day two. Yeah. You know, the thing, the thing that I think about with, with the first round when it comes to really any tournament, I don't typically put a ton of stock in the first day. I mean, now certainly there are great rounds that are played the first day, but you know, I think, I think even the golfers would probably agree that it's a little bit about the learning, making sure you have a feel for everything, the way the greens are playing, the way, you know, you're playing whenever it comes to these, to these holes. So, you know, that first day you might hit some good shots, things roll your way, but you know, heading into day two and day three, you may not play that way. So there's, there's going to be some of these more veteran guys that obviously have the advantage of, of playing more and playing Augusta more that I think will move up. I think you'll see some of those bigger names make some moves into day two, maybe day three. Um, but, you know, my, my hope is, is moving into the, to moving day and then uh, Sunday, obviously I'm still rooting for an upset. I, I say it pretty much every time we talk about sports, but I, I just love a good upset story. Nothing against the guys that are typically doing it and typically winning tournaments, winning masters championships, uh, but, you know, even with, with our uh, upcoming interview here, um, I always ask about the upset because I always want to know who we should be watching out for because, hey, you never know what might happen and you never know who might be playing their best on these four days of the year. And then that absolutely wins them a tournament that maybe you would have never expected them to win. I was a little surprised at – the fact that Jordan Spieth on day one is minus one, six six shots back of Justin Rose because it was almost too easy when it comes to golf, things like that. Everyone expecting, and all the commentators talking this morning on the, on the uh, practice range, that they look for him to have a great weekend. And those kind of things in golf just don't happen. It's very rare that everyone is on one guy and they have a great weekend. So we'll see what happens. Uh, a name that I kind of, um, I, I kind of hope he makes a run, but I mean, I don't know if he'll even make the cut line depending on how Justin Rose will play. Bryson DeChambeau at plus four. You have a couple guys like DJ who struggled uh, early today on day one, but yeah, it's uh, master's week and uh, nothing better. Just four months ago, we were saying the same thing. So um, what a, what a time. We're, we're back at Augusta. We're back for more pimento cheese sandwiches and, and more, more rounds at one of the greatest golf courses in the world. Ryan, before we get to the interview, man, what a great weekend we have. Looking forward to sports. 
and everything going on. But one of my favorite things to do this weekend, because it's going to be nice weather. Uh, that's what they say. I don't trust weathermen. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but no matter what, I'm going to listen to music and I'm going to do that on my favorite service, Amazon music. And I know you've been posting a lot of clips lately of favorite albums. You've been doing that through Amazon music, I would imagine. And someone who's wrestling Sunday, I've been listening to him a lot. Bad Bunny, Spanish. Okay, wait. He's a wrestler? Uh, Bad Bunny is a the most famous artist in the world right now. He is wrestling in a tag team match at WrestleMania on Sunday against The Miz and John Morrison. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I literally had no idea, but that honestly made... He's in uh, he's in the Cardi B song, isn't he? That's that's where I think I know him from. I have no idea. I just know of his music from him being on wrestling the last couple of months. And I'm like, okay, let's see what this guy's about. He was on SNL, very good on SNL. So I've been listening to Spanish music, knowing no idea what he's saying. Right. Well, oh, I know him from somewhere else. Uh, he's in the Snoop Dogg commercial, which is... Mm. Okay. Which is another great leeway to the fact that you should be using Amazon Music. You can get your 90s rap fix uh, with little gin and juice, a little Snoop Dogg, or a little nothing but a G thing, whatever your preference is. But you can also throw in some Bad Bunny, too. Um, yeah, I've, I've been posting some of my favorite albums. I, I, had, um, I had like one from the last, I guess it was like six years, seven years up the other day on my Instagram story. I'm sure people will probably get tired of me posting music, but there's... 99% of me that doesn't care so I apologize you can unfollow me if you don't like it but uh yeah I'll, I'll I'll gladly tell everybody my favorite albums and you can make a playlist like I have or you can do your own take all of your favorite albums of the year and fill them in one playlist you know speaking of albums there's going to come a time in our lifetime where an album is not a thing anymore we're we're going to be relegated to singles and extended plays it basically already is. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm, one of my favorite artists that you can also listen to on Amazon Music has already said he's never going to make an album again, Weird Al. He said he's never going to make an album again in just singles. So, uh, but yeah, you know what? That's going to be my plug for this. Listen to Weird Al. Listen to some Weird Al. Listen to some of his parodies. Listen to some of his originals. Get in anything that you want. Put it all in one playlist. There's tens of millions of songs on Amazon Music. You can sign up for $7.99 today by using the link getamazonmusic.com backslash 2 Sports to sign up today and start listening. Again, that link is getamazonmusic.com backslash 2 Sports. Listen to some Weird Al, listen to some Bad Bunny, mash them up, and have a great time. And Ryan, if they didn't already watch it on YouTube, and if they did, they can still listen to this and then go watch it on YouTube again. Tell everyone who we have today. Yeah, we have Damon Hack. So Damon is an, an analyst, a, a personality, a writer for the Golf Channel. Uh, we have him on for a master's preview. Uh, really gives good insight into some of the golfers, what the weekend's going to look like, uh, some of the names to watch. Like we said, I like a good upset, so I, I had to ask him about that. But just gives some good insight into the course, which, what did he say, this is his 11th time, so... He's, he's definitely a veteran of this, definitely somebody that knows his way around Augusta National. Um, and, and we also had to ask him about pimento cheese sandwiches. So if you haven't listened already, enjoy it. Um, if you have, enjoy it again. But here's Damon Hack. 
And now our interview with Damon Hack. All right, we now welcome on the Golf Today co-host on the Golf Channel, a writer for GolfChannel.com, formerly with Sports Illustrated, the New York Times, and Newsday. And I know that he's excited for the Masters this upcoming weekend, Mr. Damon Hack. Damon, thank you for joining the show today. Ryan and Ryan, what's up, guys? It's great to be with you. Uh, this is my 11th time covering the Masters. Uh, I'm here in Augusta, and it's just great uh, excitement and anticipation for the first major championship of the year. Great to be back after only four short months, a little bit of a, or five short months, a little bit of a shorter layoff this time than you're probably used to in covering it in past years. It's true. And it's interesting, you know, 20 under par one in November, Dustin Johnson was the champion one by five. And everyone I've spoken to is talking about how much this golf course is playing differently, much firmer and faster than we saw in November. So we won't be seeing 20 under par win this week. I can promise you that Fred couples told me today that the golf course on Wednesday, uh, it was playing like a weekend. It's amazing how fast the greens are, how firm and fast the fairways are. So hopefully the rain stays away and we get a kind of a true firm, fast, hard Augusta. And if that's the case, you're going to see 70 and 71 being a very good score. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing with that, too, I, I want to ask you, just looking at a five-month layoff, with the, with the way the course is going to be played, and, and as golfers are telling you this, do you think that this layoff, both in terms of course and, and just a, a much shorter layoff, is that an advantage or a disadvantage for players coming into this? Because usually we're, we're talking about a year, but it's, it's much shorter this year, as, as we've discussed. Yeah, I think it's, it's an advantage for the players that have experience um, that have seen Augusta in all different conditions. The one universal is all 88 players in this field are excited to be here. It's something about driving down Magnolia Lane, knowing that this is a major championship contested on the same course every year. It's the only one in the men's game that does it this way. So that's why you find the same names, you know, historically, Tom Watson always played well here. Fred Couples plays well here. Bernard Langer, Phil Mickelson, Tiger historically. So it's just something about this place, the knowledge gained. Jordan Spieth, for example, very early was wise to kind of sit at the knee of Ben Crenshaw and his caddy, Carl Jackson, and learn the nuances of the golf course. How does the green move, you know, the, the, the raised creek influences and different things like that. So it's almost like to a man, uh, whether the Masters was five months ago or five minutes ago, they're so excited to be here and get this major underway. So we actually made a joke the other day that uh, Fred Couples uh, is always that name that pops up on day one or day two uh, from Werner Jim Nance, Fred Couples on 13 there. Uh, and it's always like very softly spoken. It's never, you know, um, drawn out. But, uh, you know, going into names like Fred, what are some tier two guys that might have a good weekend? John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, uh, Tommy Fleetwood. I really like Tommy Fleetwood this week. I think he might have a really shocking day. I don't know if he will win this weekend, but I feel like he could have a top five finish. I think it's a great point. Tommy Fleetwood has already proven he's got some major championship medal. He shot 63, you may recall, in the final round of the 2018 U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, put a scare into Brooks Kepka, who ultimately beat him 
on that Sunday, but Tommy Fleetwood is one of those players. There's 10 Englishmen in this field, and he's one of the best alongside the likes of Paul Casey, Lee Westwood, and Terrell Hatton, and Justin Rose. But Tommy Fleetwood, wonderful driver of the golf ball, has terrific hands, kind of a streaky putter, as it were. That's the one thing I would worry about uh, in terms of this golf course, that he's still kind of young in his master's appearances, but he does have the skill set, I think, especially off the hits his irons close uh, it has that flair i think in that major championship game jason day told me earlier this week that this golf course is going to play hard so i think the harder it plays the more it benefits a player like tommy fleetwood because he has shown he thrives on difficult golf courses shinnecock hills being one of the toughest in the united states uh, he's also contended for majors in europe at the open championship at Royal Port Rush was right behind Shane Lowry. So uh, should the weather get difficult? Should the golf course conditions change? Tommy Fleetwood, a name to respect. But also John Rahm, guys, just became a father. Son was born on Saturday. So he comes in not with much practice here, but talked about kind of floating in on a cloud. Uh, life, uh, a changing event for him. Five years ago, Danny Willett became a father right before the Masters, was the last guy on property and ends up winning the green jacket. So, so there's been kind of a history of life events. You know, Ben Crenshaw winning the Masters in 95, a, a week after burying his mentor and coach, Harvey Penick. 2010, Phil Mickelson winning a third green jacket as his wife, Amy, was dealing with cancer. So there's something about life events that seem to, to kind of add to the lore and mystery and magic of this place. Danny Willett had that formula as a new dad in 2016. John Rahm could have that as the formula in 2021. So looking at some of those winners too, you, you bring up a couple of names that, that kind of leads into my next point to, to further this a little bit. Uh, you know, talking about guys like Danny Willett, you also mentioned earlier guys like Tiger and Phil, the names that everybody knows that are not to be cliche, but are masters of this course. Who are some guys that kind of coming into this weekend? I know we discussed a couple, but give us another one or two names that we may that we might not know about now, but we're going to know about come Sunday or late Saturday that are going to make a push to win this that are in that middle of the field. I, I got a name for you. It's a veteran who's starting to play well and poke his head out. How about Matt Kuchar? Uh, he's a player's champion. He's contended for this major before. And how about this? Went to Georgia Tech right down the road from Augusta. Also famously won the U.S. Amateur and then played alongside Tiger Woods uh, back in the late 1990s. He has an affinity for this state, has an affinity for this golf course, played very well in the match play, played very well at the Valero Texas Open uh, last week. So I think he comes in with some momentum and under the radar. So that's one person I would pay attention to. Another player is Colin Morikawa, who already proved he can win a major championship doing just that at the PGA Championship at Harding Park last year. He has every shot in the bag. The ball just does not curve that much. He hits it dead center of the club face every time. Won the WGC event at concession earlier this year. Mature beyond his years. Went to UC Berkeley. Uh, studied at the high school of business as well he's just kind of one of those intellectual giants who has proven to be ready for the big moment even in his 20s so kuchar and morikawa are names that i would say maybe more people are focusing on dj and jt and spieth give kuchar and morikawa a first and second look 
Yeah, Spieth was 10 to 1 yesterday, actually moved up 5 to 1 in Vegas. Uh, Vegas is loving him this week. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much money is being put on him going into the weekend. So you have been in the Masters, as you pointed out, 11 times now, 11, which is uh, outstanding. The greens, the fall, it was unbelievable. Dustin Johnson was having one of the best golf tournaments I had seen in quite a long time. I mean, the, the last time I remember being memorized by a tournament like that in the Masters was Jordan Spieth's uh, win in 2015. What will the greens be like on day ones and day two compared to three and four? Because it typically seems around moving day, there's a lot of more hardness on, on the greens, especially the fairways. It's a great question. And I tell you what, uh, I talked to Victor Perez, the Frenchman playing in his second masters. He competed in November. He talked about how much the golf course has changed. It was very soft in November, including the greens and very firm now, but he also told me that this golf course is under complete control by the masters members and the tournament officials here in that they can control this golf course they're probably not going to want to beat up the players on Thursday and Friday. If they want to dial back the greens and soften them a little bit, add a little water overnight, wouldn't surprise me if we saw someone shoot 67 or 66 on Thursday or Friday, maybe give the players a little bit of a chance to kind of poke their chest out a little bit and feel like they maybe have the upper hand, but on the weekend, uh, if the rain stays away in particular, this golf course will be so firm, slippery, and fast. I took a walk on the second nine today with my partner, Shane Bacon, from Golf Today. We noticed how the greens already, the color, has that almost hue of purple and brown that kind of shows that crispy layer that they're getting really fast. But the tournament officials can really dial in the greens if they want to. They can slow them down with the drop of a hat. They can control the moisture. They have the sub-air system under the greens, so it controls the moisture that goes in and on top of the greens. So I still think it's possible that we see some great scores on Thursday and Friday, but I think the scores to beat on the weekend will be 70, 71, and 72. I think it's going to be a fast, firm, difficult test come the weekend. So that leads me into my last question regarding you being at the Masters in the weekend, uh, everything that we having looking forward to. I, I want to do a rapid fire real quick. You tell me yeah. overrated or underrated about the Masters, because it is a goal of mine to go there one day, but just not right now, unfortunately. Okay. Pimento sandwich, overrated or underrated? I'm going to say underrated. I have them every year. So it's 11 years of eating pimento cheese sandwiches, and I haven't stopped. So that, that's all you need to know. If it was overrated, I would have stopped in year one or year two. Uh, this is year 11 for me. It's something about the way that the cheese kind of blends into the bread. I'm going to say underrated. Amen's Corner, overrated or underrated? Completely underrated. I'll never forget the first time I saw it, 2002 in person. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like perfection. You just wish you could drop like... A, 12 golf balls down and have your favorite club and just start hitting shots into 11 and into 12 and tee shots off of 13. It is absolutely spectacular. It's the prettiest setting in golf that I've ever been to in person. Never gets old, underrated. The roars at 18 on Sunday after the winner hits their final putt in, overrated, underrated. 
again, I'm going to be a broken record here, underrated because the way the golf course moves, the hills and hillocks, all these natural amphitheaters, this golf course was laid on an old nursery. And, and the way it's laid out, it just reverberates the sound through the pines. TPC Sawgrass was a contrived stadium course. This was a natural stadium course built for eagle roars and birdie roars and built by God, you know, built more by just the way the, the land moves and the topography of the golf course. Those roars at 18 and those birdie and eagle roars are completely underrated. So do you think that'll change any on Sunday potentially with, with potentially lower fans or is it still going to have that same, that same feel to it because it is the masters and, and people are going to make up for what's lost? I think the people will make up for what's lost. The hope is that maybe it's a duel between two great players. So the lion's share majority of the patrons are all around maybe one or two groups. So they're not too spread out on the golf course, especially on Sunday. I still think with uh, the powers of technology, if they needed to pipe in a little bit of noise to amp it up, maybe they, they could do that. But I honestly think that the moment, the player, the quality of shot, uh, the appreciation for being back in person with patrons that the folks will be clapping and cheering as loud as they can respectively of course as they do at Augusta National but I think that uh, should you have a, a Justin Thomas or a Jordan Spieth or a Rory a very popular player you're going to hear some great roars come Sunday at Augusta well, we're, sorry Ryan well we're still going to get the fan that yells get in the hole after you know a a ball was hit on a green for a putt. So less here though, less here than other PGA tour stops. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll still look forward to all the roars no matter what, but I have one last question for you here. So just to kind of back up from golf for a second, uh, obviously we're leading into the Masters, So I'm only going to take you away for it from a couple minutes, but just overarching as a whole, we, we definitely all miss sports. We're happy to be back at the masters two times in five months. It feels surreal, but here we are. But we all just miss sports as a whole. So one thing I like to do uh, with our guests is before you come on, I like to look through your Twitter and see what other sports you might look uh, look into and, and use your free time to watch. So I see that you follow the Dodgers, the Lakers, and the Raiders. So we're going to take the Raiders out of it for a second. You've had a lot of fun the last couple last couple months then <laughs> watching some championships, right? Oh, so well said. I mean, I, I grew up a Laker fan. I grew up a Dodger fan. And think about it. I was 16 years old in 1988 when the Lakers won. They won back-to-back -back NBA titles. And then that was the year Kirk Gibson at the famous home run against the A's. So they won the title the same year. And then it happened again for me in 2020. The Lakers win it all, and Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers win it all. So this past year was like a throwback year for me, uh, watching two of my favorite teams, my childhood teams, get it done in the very same year. So I've been having a lot of fun. I'm a very spoiled sports fan of late. I would say so. Well, look, I think the sports world in general is excited to see somebody like Clayton Kershaw clear that clear that obstacle and, and get that title. Of course, LeBron James greatness. We don't have to debate that. But uh, we always say, too, on this show that we're I'm a Steelers fan and Ryan is an Eagles fan, but we are a Raiders podcast. We had a lot of belief in the Raiders last year that they were going to make the playoffs, could potentially do a run. But as a, as a fan, what, what do you think is – what's missing? What went wrong, and where do we go from here? Yeah, I'm highly disappointed at the way the season ended. It was almost as if people started to figure out 
uh, Gruden and, and the team. I love Josh Jacobs as a running back. You know, Derek Carr seemed to have so much momentum going. He gets hurt. Mariota shows a little bit of, of fire and spunk. I'm not sure what the answer is. I think that the team has made some strides. They actually played better the first half of the season than I thought they would. But I tell you what, living in the AFC West and knowing what's in store with the Chiefs over the next decade, it's it's going to be very, very hard, I think, for the Raiders to ultimately get over the hump. They need some consistent health at the quarterback position. Uh, I think they need some better offensive line help as well. I think Josh Jacobs runs very hard. I think that Josh uh, John Gruden is a fantastic coach. But I just think for whatever reason, whether it's that huge new building in Vegas uh, that needs to be filled with fans, maybe that could give them some of the old time edge that we used to see back when the Raiders were in Oakland and they had some of the best fans uh, in the NFL. Oh, we we're ready to see the black hole back in, in Las Vegas and whatever <laughs> capacity that is in a different city. But um, we, we might be headed towards another Laker and, and Dodger championship again. So you might get to celebrate all of that on top of your 11th Masters and the other tournaments. But, uh, Damon, we really do appreciate you coming out and, and speaking with us this evening, taking some time for the show uh, this weekend and beyond. Continue to stay safe. We hope you have a great time again. Um, hope that you and your loved ones again stay safe, and, and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road. Well, Ryan and Ryan, it was great spending a few minutes with you both. Great questions, uh, terrific pod, and uh, I look forward to joining you sometime down the road and enjoy the Masters. Will do. All right. It's uh, <laughs> time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. Do we understand? Ryan, I will go first with my first story. I got two great ones today. So this one's a little gross. So if you're eating right now, I put the croutons away. (laughs) So a woman who had the world's longest fingernails at 288.8 inches got them clipped yesterday and they had to take a, excuse me, they had to take a saw and cut through them because they hadn't been cut in so long. I do not understand this. I don't know if it was a publicity stunt to grow out your fingernails that long. I don't know why you would do something like that. She does hold the Guinness World Book of Records, but that's just basic hygiene. And doing normal things, that has to be gross. Like just picking up a cup, like a mug. Like how do you you, you grip a mug with your fingers? How, how do you pick up a mug when you got 288.8 inch fingernails that's disgusting i do not understand that that is very very gross imagine for a second your fingernails this is bad radio but you can see me imagine your fingernails are so long that you like basically have to keep your hands apart right because they're so long and just in the visual that you described you have to pick up a mug so you are like just like almost like vulcaning your way in and you like have to hold it. Like you can't hold it with your hand because we can hold things normal because our fingernails are not long, but like you have to like, I, look, when it comes to, I actually saw, and I didn't, I didn't put it on my, I didn't put it on my do we understand, but I saw another story of somebody breaking a world record 
and, and it's just a very strange one. I feel like at this point, when it comes to something like this, you are simply doing it for a world record. That's the only logical sense that I can make out of doing something because is there like a coalition of people somewhere that are like, I would like to see how long I can grow out my fingernails and I'm just going to take the next 30 years to do it. Why? I, you know what, if I want to be, you know what, let me, let me back up on that. I don't want to be remembered for anything rather than being remembered for having the longest fingernails in the world. It's almost, and that terrifies me in itself, taking a saw, like a motorized electric saw to your nails to cut them. That terrifies me in itself because I, I just get annoyed and like feel pain when I stub my toe. If you're going to take a saw, like a motorized electric saw, that, that is just, uh, I, I don't understand. There used to be this episode of Nitro Circus, and I still have it. There's an episode of Nitro Circus where they just set as many world records as they can. And some of them are like completely silly, like the most bunny hops on a bike, the longest distance on a bike. You, you, you see where I'm going with this, just one after the other after the other. But that that's just disgusting. And there's no way... There's absolutely no way that she eats sandwiches or did when she had those. There's no way. No. If she wanted to get a manicure, she'd have to be sponsored by Sherman Williams. <laughs> yeah. And there's no way she wore gloves. And just doing a simple task of like dri driving a car, like those, those kind of things, there's no way she did either one of those things. So I... You can't, is there even 280 inches you can put in a car? Like her personal vehicle would have to be a bus. She would have had to take out the front driver's seat and made like some sort of contraption to reach from the back seat to the, to this, uh, the pedal, because there's no way she, she was able to drive a car. Absolutely okay. no way. The other visual that I have this, and I want our, I want our listeners to imagine this, imagine 280 whatever inches of fingernails if, if that doesn't gross you out and make you vomit you talk about gloves right because obviously you couldn't wear gloves you could wear the ones that have the fingers cut out of them you know which ones i'm talking about yeah imagine her pulling one of those <laughs> over her 280 inches of fingernails just like a just like a like a um like a Hot Wheels track, and you're just like pulling it over them, just like all the way over them. You get oh. them on your hand. That's the process. Oh gosh, and just doing a little simple task, task like itching your nose. Like, what do you itch your nose with? You itch your nose with your finger. So, yeah, that's oh, my I first mean, one. You could itch the neighbor's nose with fingernails. Uh, well, think of all the me. Seriously, think of all the the tasks that she wouldn't wasn't able to do for years, because by her own choice for whatever it was, like doing a simple task, like grabbing a pan from your uh, pantry and cooking. There's there's absolutely no way she would have had to get TV dinners every night for however many years those things were growing. Like had to have. Like there's no way she was able to put bacon on a frying pan. Can, can you imagine you're like sitting in a in an apartment that's that's not very big like i think mine's like 600 square feet you could you could be like 
hey, can you turn on the light in the living room? You like reach your fingernail or like down the yeah. hallway. Ew. Like, oh gosh, like, that's so disgusting. Stuff. Well, so, unfortunately, I don't have as good of one as any of those. So that's <laughs> I I don't understand that. That is a I've never understood that because you remember when we used to get like the book fairs in school, everybody wanted to look at the Guinness book of world records, yeah. right? Because it came out every year with some crazy ass color every single year. But like, they always had that person's picture. I'm like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I, I do not want to see somebody's massive fingernails. I do not want to be remembered for my life as having massive fingernails. I'd rather them put me in an unmarked grave. <laughs> like, like, just completely forget about who I am. I do not want to be known as the fingernail person. Like, no offense, everybody has their own thing, but like, that is that is not me. No. This one is, <laughs> oh gosh, this one's terrifying. This is terrifying. And the you smile on my face terrifying so i'm i'm nervous the smile on my face is because i'm terrified and i i really don't understand this okay so i'm gonna paint a picture for you and i'm gonna set the scene you ready you're going to the grocery store you need to get groceries you do your thing maybe it's 10 maybe it's 15 minutes maybe it's 30 maybe it's an hour because you're waiting 25 minutes in the self-help check outline and you can't seem to get your groceries in the bag. By the way, the self-help checkout line is low-key one of the most frustrating things because you get there and it's not as fast as you think. It really isn't. Like when you get produce and vegetables, the fact that you got to be the one to look them up, you might as well put a vest on me. So New Mexico man goes into the grocery store. When he comes out, somehow, some way, there are 15,000 bees that moved into his car while he was in the grocery store and 15,000 bees in his car from the trunk to the, you know, everywhere, just swarming. Of course, this guy isn't a beekeeper, so he doesn't have, you know, a fog or anything. I do not understand. Well, first things first, where are 15,000 bees coming from in that time span? Number two, did the guy have his windows open? And if he did, how how are the bees just, you know, how come it's not just one? Because I get terrified when I have one bee or even a fly in my car, okay? I'm like, get you know, there's nothing more annoying, by the way, than a fly, like, going around your face, and you have to keep, you keep it. trying to kill it with a fly swatter or whatever, and, you, and it just, it's, you can't get it. But I do not understand this. That's absolutely terrifying. That's almost like the scene in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby comes out and the cougar's in the car. I mean, he knows that the cougar's in the car, but I wonder if the guy became like a beekeeper or who's he calling that situation? Does he call an exterminator? Does he call a termin you know terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger? I mean, this is just I mean, that's a terrifying <laughs> that's terrifying. So we have rogue ravens in Alaska and rogue bees in New Mexico. I, I love the uh, grocery store stories because they, who knows what flying animals taken over next. But I, I feel like, you know, those memes where it's like, there's a spider in the house, I'll just burn it down. I, I feel like you just call your significant other, your, your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whomever. And it's just like, 
We have one less car now. <laughs> well, the bees have taken over spot A34 down at Wegman. So <laughs> leave it alone. It's fine. And if he's doing Uber Eats, like if, if somehow he's like a guy doing Uber Eats right now, there's there's no way he delivered that food. You know what I mean? You'd have some great honey. Ooh, great honey. Yeah. You definitely. I mean, that's assuming that, you know, they're honeybees and not wasps. But, you know, I'm also not a beekeeper, so I would not be one to call in that situation. But that's that seems quick. Like, I feel like bees take longer to to do so. I mean, again, not a bee expert, but I feel like bees take longer, like build a hive and like decide on a place. Because, I mean, you don't just, I mean, yeah, you see them pop up, but I feel like it takes a lot of time. This seems like it was relatively quick. How long was this guy in the grocery store? Three days? 45 minutes. Can you just imagine, paint the picture in your head here, you and all of our listeners, you walking out and your car is just a giant beehive. It's, it's not even a car at that point. It, it's just like that, like you get like little crevice in your house and it's just a giant beehive. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that that is terrifying. That is the cougar in the car from Talladega Nights. Yeah, I, you describing the situation of like a fly flying around and, and doing that, like that's irritating because you, even though you know it's not going to hurt you, it's still frustrating, but what, I mean, what, I'm, I'm just interested to know who's taking over next because, like I said, Ravens last week, bees this week. I guess I didn't even really consider the fact that there were bees in New Mexico. I just never, you know, never really sat down and thought about that, but, yeah, you know, welcome to my life. Now I have something else to keep me up at night. All right, so I have two as well. Um, mine, in my opinion, not not as good as rogue bees and fingernails, but um, one of them actually pertains a little bit to sports here. So uh, logged on Twitter early this morning, and one of the trending topics of the day uh, was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s birthday. So, you know, you log on, you're like, oh, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s birthday. So that's kind of cool, right? His uh, birthday is October 10th. <laughs> Why are people wishing him a happy birthday six months early? <laughs> there, is, there is nothing more, I think, nerve-wracking if you were a celebrity to wake up in the morning and find out you're trending on Instagram or Twitter and not know any reason why, like I, a couple months ago, Tim Allen was trending on Twitter because everyone thought he was dead. Right. And he, he wakes up in the morning and he's like, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that is completely bonkers. By the way, there's no way well, maybe, maybe one of his friends pulls a prank, right? And gets him a birthday cake today and sends it to him. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, I would be that guy. No doubt. Yeah. See the, the thing to your point though, somebody tweeted this like as a, as a quote or something, I don't remember, but I saw it on Twitter too. They're like, imagine being Dale Earnhardt Jr. Right. You wake up, you see that you're trending on Twitter and everyone's like, happy birthday. 
the first thing you do is immediately look at your phone and make sure that you haven't been in a coma for six months <laughs> because you're nervous. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm not, when it comes to myself, like I don't really care as much about my, I know some people love their birthday and I understand that I, I like to celebrate other people's birthday, but like if I woke up six months before my birthday and everyone was like, Oh, Hey, happy birthday. I, why? It doesn't make any sense. Just to just rogue Twitter people wishing Dale Earnhardt Jr. a happy birthday. If anything, he should have got a cupcake today. Oh, I mean, something, something to, um, it brought up to me was a point that his, his dad, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s birthday is April 29th, but still, it's not even the same day. It, it, we're still three weeks away. What's, why? I'll tell you what I don't understand. Wishing people a happy birthday six months before their birthday. So welcome to Twitter today. That's, that's what we had to wake up to. Yeah, that, that's wild. All right. So my last one here, uh, now I've, I've read the article a little bit and it's a little vague. So, you know, just bear with me here. But the articles, I'm just going to read you the headline here. Georgia man who received 91,515 pennies as his final paycheck finally cashes out. Say that again. A Georgia man who received 91,515 pennies as his final paycheck finally cashes out. So this dude, apparently, um, his name is Andreas, Andres Flatten or Flayton. Um, I apologize if Andreas listens to the show. I can't imagine that's the case. But the point is, is he received his final paycheck in over 90,000 pennies that were oil soaked from his disgruntled former employer. Now, I've seen the pettiness. We, we know the pettiness of like, I don't believe in this fine, so I'm going to pay it in pennies. I actually love that story. I think that's a fantastic way of, of disputing it in a sense. But apparently, this employer is just like a jerk. And this is his way of like getting back at him. But the guy went to Coinstar and Coinstar's like, oh, yeah, we'll take, you know, that's great. Like, we'll wrap them up and get it all settled. We'll get you your money. I mean, after they take out their, what, like 4%, it's going to be less, but whatever. 91,515 pennies as a final paycheck. <laughs> Does that just work out to 91 bucks? <laughs> That's, what would that be? I'm, this is the math portion of the show that we're. Yeah, I think why you're doing that. Could I just get pissed when I have change in my car? Like not irritating, pissed. I'm like. Oh, great. Here we go. Another dime just laying around that I don't need. And quarters. Quarters, I feel like, are the only valuable change, right? Because pennies, uh, who cares? Dimes, who cares? Nickels, who cares? Quarters. I love a good quarter. And I, you know what I haven't seen in uh, a long, long time? Do they even still exist? Half dollars. Uh, you know, the only place I've ever seen them is you get them at WVU football games. Like whenever you buy a beer for eleven fifty, they'll flip you a half dollar. And yeah. Like, yeah. Um, 
a half dollar. That that is almost as rare as finding a two dollar bill. I don't think I've ever seen a two dollar bill. Mm -hmm. I have three if you want one. Because every time I see them, I can't. You have three two dollar bills. Mm -hmm. Every time I see them, I keep them. Because one one time, this is a this is completely off the rails. But one time at our community yard sale, somebody paid for something with a two dollar bill. <laughs> I immediately swiped it. I was like, "You can't keep that in circuit. Like that's just too rare. You have to keep the two dollar bill because you don't see them all every day." But I have two or three of them. I'm I'm positive of that. But you know, I actually like to save up all my change at the end of the year, cash it in, and it's almost like another little like extra money at the end of the year that that you use. But it actually comes out to nine hundred and fifteen dollars. Um, okay. For all of our math people out there being like, oh, Ryan, Ryan, don't know how to count. You know what? You're damn right. I don't know how to count. My degree's in journalism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Neither, neither one of us are math guys. You know what? I'm, I proudly have convertunits.com pulled up right now. <laughs> we do our math on the football field. <laughs> that's, that's the way we do our math. Okay. Seven points, eight, nine, 10. Up by three, up by four. You know, that's my man. Football. Right. Lamar Jackson has ran for 10 yards and 13 yards. Lamar Jackson has ran for 23 yards. <laughs> that's what I'm good at. <laughs> Word yeah. problems. Um, man, uh, another great week of uh, Do We Understand. That, that, it, that might be my favorite segment because it, it's just – it's completely off the rails. But we can grab bag – Obviously, the Masters, you got hockey, you got baseball, you throw in the baseball in there. Like, I am a casual fan. I'm not as hardcore into it. Uh, I'm super hardcore to, like, the point of, like, watching it during October to where my eyes hurt. I'm like, okay, I've seen enough baseball. I've been watching baseball from 3 p.m. It's 2 in the morning, okay? I do not want to watch the athletics play the Blue Jays. <laughs> at 10 and 30 at night, but here I am on the East Coast watching it on TBS. That's me for baseball. But then you got hockey. Things are coming down the stretch in hockey. You got the Suns and NBA action. And the reason I bring up the Suns exclusively, they're in the two seed. They're only a game back behind the Lakers in the one seed. And that was a joke we made at the beginning of the year that everyone was on them. But it actually looks like it's coming. It came back to blow in our face because they are truly one of the two, three best teams in the league. Then you got WrestleMania, the granddaddy of them all. It's been the number one trend, if you can believe this, number one trend every single night of the national championship game, uh, whatever wrestling event is happening during that night for WWE over WrestleMania week in the world, which is kind of incredible. We're going into WrestleMania 37 and Masters. Is there anything better or more relaxing than a Masters Sunday? You got WrestleMania weekend. I mean, weekend grab bag. It just there's a lot going on. This is the ultimate weekend of weekend grab bag because I don't even I don't even have a specific. I mean, obviously the Masters, obviously WrestleMania, but you know the individual games. I don't have any of that because this is a weekend that you could literally, if you wanted to, you just pull up to your couch, your favorite recliner, whatever you sit on for a weekend, open a beer, open an Arnold Palmer, open whatever beverage you want, grab a pizza, appetizers, whatever, 
and you can watch sports from 10, 11 a.m. until midnight every single night. And it is endless this weekend. It is endless from top to bottom with the Masters. Obviously, WrestleMania, they have their set times, but with all the other sports happening in between, you don't have to stop watching sports this weekend. Um, I'm not going to write you an excuse. You know how, like, teams are like, please excuse blank from work on this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's probably between you, your significant other, or, you know, whomever you have to report to at work. So no, no promises. But this is the weekend that you can do that. It is jam-packed through and through. You have a lot to watch in the Masters. Um, I probably won't watch a ton of baseball because I'm already sick of it, seven games in. But some of that just comes with the team that I root for. But there is there is an endless stream of sports happening this weekend that you all can watch. You know, it's amazing about WrestleMania. People watch it who don't watch wrestling. It's like a, it's like a Super Bowl-type thing or a World Series. Like People watch WrestleMania, and they broke it up into two nights again this year which will be a little interesting. It's going to be at Raymond James Stadium. So one of my favorite things to see, it's going to be limited capacity, which two events <laughs> this year, limited capacity, the Super Bowl, and now this. But it's going to be interesting to see the entrance that they build for WrestleMania because that's always fascinating to me. And it really is. It's like an event, like the Super Bowl or World Series, where people tune into WrestleMania who don't watch it. I know people who don't watch wrestling at all other than WrestleMania because it's it's just kind of like an event. You know, it, it, it's become one of those things. And it I don't know how. I know the UK base is strong, but the UK is like crazy right now for, for WrestleMania. Like there's like murals painted everywhere. There's like news coverage like you couldn't believe. So it, it's going to be a great weekend. But Ryan, if they want to hear all of our interesting guests coming up, which we do have some great ones coming up, and our segment ideas and, and where are they going to listen to us, how are they going to follow us, how are they going to stay up on all this information? The pipeline is strong with guests right now, but for the show, find us on Apple, find us on Spotify, your preferred platform that you use whatever that may be to ryan sports show on apple or spotify you can subscribe unsubscribe subscribe again make sure you rate like review anything that you can do there recommend it to a friend recommend it to a family member recommend it to whoever you think would love a good fingernail story this weekend because boy do we have an episode for you but on social channels make sure that you are also following us to ryan sports show on facebook Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, that's the Two Ryan Sports Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, along with make sure that you're following us on Apple and Spotify again for the actual show because it's only going to get better from here, folks. We're going to have a lot to talk about and recap next week because it's, uh, it's the sports weekend of the year. And we'll see everyone next week. Have a good weekend, folks.